0: This is really a big one. Stocks are very liquid. And what I mean by that, especially with U.S. stocks, so you can get in and out of them very quickly.
1: You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
2: Welcome back, Right Club Nation. It is Sarah Larby here with my co-host, the wonderful and only Alfonso Salemi. And uh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm
1: doing great, Sarah. I'm doing great. So happy to be joining you for another episode of the podcast. This podcast is going to be really, really good. But uh, yeah, but how are you doing, Sarah? What's going on? What's new in the world of Sarah Larby?
2: Doing awesome. Me and the real estate empresses are actively looking for land. So Jess, Jen, Gabby, myself, uh, we've hired uh, Matt Frederick actually to to really help us decipher through uh, different pieces of property and land. And we are actively on the hunt for a couple acres or more of land to to build on. So super excited about that. What about you?
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. It's like the the super heroines of real estate. You guys have so, uh, like, you know, kind of combined together, I've gotten to know you guys individually. And then obviously you guys teaming up as a partnership. That's so amazing. And it goes to the point of working with some amazing people on your team, whoever that is, your professionals, your business partners, your coaches, right? So and building an amazing team where the efforts of many can, can accomplish a whole lot more where you know, people say you know one plus one should not equal two. Well, if you have one plus one plus one plus one, it's probably going to equal like a few few millions, <laughs> a couple of zeros uh, added on. Sure. Right. So that's pretty cool. That's amazing. But uh, yeah, for myself, Jag continues to grow. We have a lot more rental projects that we're working on, and uh, really, really refined our tenant buyer process. So. Any of those people out there that think uh, you know that rent to own or want to know a little bit more about rent to own, if they qualify from a tenant buyer perspective, if they're looking at investing in real estate, if you're a realtor or a mortgage broker and have clients that you guys run into, definitely give me a call and uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk that out. But uh, but yes. today's podcast is what I want to talk about, and uh, we are so lucky that we get to interview and meet so many amazing people by doing this. And Dave, D Antonio, you introduced me to Dave, and you had met him way back when you were starting your real estate journey and you know the first getting into the first networking rooms and kind of that uncomfortable feeling of it's almost like the first day of school, making new friends in this whole new world that you know nothing about. And and Dave was just uh, a a really cool guy and someone that you got to know with and you introduced him to me. And yeah, he's been a great, great guy, a good friend over the years that I always keep in touch with and we talk uh, all types of stuff. Today we're gonna talk about uh, a little trading trading in stocks. but yeah, it's going to be Absolutely. Really- you know, it
2: was, uh, so we reached out to him and it was because he is actually a real estate investor in the commercial side. Like he likes like commercial, commercial where it's like office space and that kind of stuff. And also he does paper assets like trading. And so we thought we'd just kind of pick his brain is like, see what the pros and cons are and uh, what, uh, what, what to do with a portfolio. And we're not telling you guys what to do, by the way, but it's also important to equip yourself with as much information as you can. And then you can decide whether or not you want to diversify or not. But our jobs are to bring you some information. By the way, guys, we are not accountants. We are not mortgage brokers. We are not, you know, any of those professions. We are simply investors and podcasters wanting to share with the right club nation. But uh, yeah, Dave, uh, Dave and I met probably five years ago when I first started investing in real estate. And uh, he was one of my first contacts and, uh, and other real estate investors out there because when I first started investing, I really didn't know anybody else that was actually investing in real estate. It was like these American podcasts that I was listening to and I thought it was uh, not as prevalent here anyways. I didn't know anyone.
1: Yeah. And that's the cool part. is you make friends along this journey, you can kind of reference back to when, you know, we first met and even when you and I first met, you know, almost four years ago or three and a half years ago now that, and it's amazing to see the different stories. But I think the most important part maybe what you were trying to say was is really take those blinders off and be informed on what else is out there. Right? Cause I know I work with a lot of joint venture partners and, and investors that we work with. And that's, if you're looking to find joint venture partners, guys, be truthful. That's what you're going to be competing against. People are going to say, why should I invest in this project with you versus the stock market that has been around for you know centuries, right? So you should be informed about that. Get to know about that, the the, the pros, the cons, you know, keep your blinders off. Maybe it's something you don't want to invest in, but definitely be informed about it and get some knowledge and learn about that. And we hope this podcast does that for you. Uh, let us know what you think. This is the first kind of podcast that we've officially gone outside of, just only real estate investing. So um, rate, review us if you like the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to this interview.
2: Dave, my good buddy, I've known you for so long and welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on. How are you? Great. Thanks for
0: having me, Sarah. Thanks, Alfonso. It's great to be with you guys again. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm really, uh, really grateful you guys invited me.
2: Awesome. You You know, you're actually probably one of the first investors that I met when I started investing. And I had not gone to too many networking events. And it was you and Vince and Michael. I remember uh, yeah, and I yeah, met I you and it was like one of my first events and you guys were so nice. I'm like, "Oh, I made some new investor friends." You guys were the only investor friends I had to start with. So, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was, you know what? It was awesome. That was kind of like a golden era when we all met and everybody was really cool and we were all um I'm a little bit older than you guys, but uh I look younger. So, you know, we we all we all meshed well and it was it was a lot of fun. You know, we I remember we uh, went to some meetings and we'd go out for dinner and drinks and and just have a laugh it was awesome meeting you guys
1: yeah sure. and just uh, just before we started uh of the podcast we were talking about when when i had first met you and, and sarah introduced me to you dave and it was at one of the uh one of the investing uh meetings that uh that, that we had met at and yeah like sarah said you're just one of the one of the nicest guys that i've that i've ever come across real estate investing or otherwise just one of the just a genuine, true guy, hardworking guy, beautiful family, and uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure getting to know you the last while. Well, I think we figured it out almost four years that uh, that we've known each other. So for all the people uh, out in the Right Club Nation that uh, haven't had the chance to to get to meet you or know you, and, and the absolute pleasure to meet you, why don't you get them to? Uh, why don't you explain a little bit who you are? Well, first of all, thanks a lot, guys, and
0: uh, and the feelings mutual. I love you guys. You guys are you guys are the greatest. I was just before we started recording. I was just saying how how much I love your guys' hustle, your energy, you know, just I've hung out with you guys both personally and I just, I think you guys are the greatest. So, you know, the feeling's mutual, thanks. So a little bit about me, I don't know, there's not, there's not really a lot to say. Like I'm kind of a, a do-it-yourself investor. When it comes to real estate, I own some commercial properties in Burlington. I own um, some small commercial office condos. I've been investing since uh probably late 2006 but i've been involved in real estate for a while um you know with some of my family businesses that i worked with before i before i started out on my own Uh, i also do like i consider myself an investor so i also do some systematic trading of um financial markets mostly stocks and i'm just trying to grow like both my portfolio for for trading and investing and also for my real estate portfolio so I guess I'm an OG I, I've known you guys since the beginning an OG. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right the, one of the OG's amazing <laughs> so we wanted to have you on the show because you are an investor but you are an investor in real estate and also paper assets and you know a lot about both and uh, I thought it would be really interesting and I don't think we've done a show well I know we haven't done a show On really digging into the pros and cons of both. So, obviously, I'm really pro real estate. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, you know, I'm not gonna speak for Alfonso, but I'm guessing of Alfonso as well, just, you know, knowing his, uh, he's giving me the thumbs up there if you guys can't see, but um, he's also pro real estate. And I don't have a whole lot in comparison in paper assets, but you love both and you might love one or the other. But I wanna hear from you. First of all, what, what is a paper asset? And second of all, what's the pros and cons?
0: Okay, so I think everybody in the podcast already knows what real estate is. So let's just define paper assets. So paper assets are just pieces of paper. And today they're more like electronic pieces of paper because they, you know, they don't really maintain paper books anymore for these assets. But for example, stocks, options, or derivatives, which they just mean they're derived from stocks, bonds and money market accounts, So I'll just focus on stocks to make it simple because that's mostly what I'm involved with and mostly what I know. Uh, So stocks are tiny pieces of ownership of companies that they represent and um, they're a way for people to get involved in those, those assets, but they're also a way for those companies to raise capital in order to grow their businesses. So paper assets like stocks can provide a lot of new opportunities to earn money for real estate investors that maybe aren't involved in other forms of investment outside of real estate. I love real estate. I would say that, you know, given the opportunity, I would probably be ninety percent in real estate, and maybe maybe eighty to ninety percent in real estate, and ten or twenty percent in paper assets and stocks mostly, uh, just because they provide a way to not only to earn money. Like I'm a big believer in multiple streams of income, but I'm also I, I also like to diversify my risk, and by trading stocks allows you really to do that. Uh, If you want, I can go through like a bit of a comparison of, you know, real estate versus stocks, just to give you a framework for some of the pros and cons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be a great, a great, uh, a breakdown for a lot of the people here that are listening to the podcast, the right club nation that are investing in real estate. They kind of understand the process, you know, there's offers, there's buyers, there's sellers and, and, you know, the transaction that's involved. So maybe yeah, some things that are similar and some things that are that are different when when you're going in, okay. into okay. So stock. I've got a bit of a
0: list here. I'll try to
1: make it brief. There's a lot of like confluences and there's a lot of differences as
0: well. So, of course, stocks have a really low barrier to entry. Um, there, you know, you can get started right away with very little money, and you can buy just even a couple of shares. So with real estate, you generally need to save up a more sizable amount. Uh, you typically need enough for at least a down payment to get started. But you can, you can use more of the bank's money as leverage with real estate. Uh, more advanced traders, of course, they use leverage as well. It's called margin in trading. It's called trading margin when you borrow money from your broker. But generally, many traders don't have access to margin or they don't have any buying power typically available to them. Uh, a lot of professional traders might. And, uh, you know, and that's a double-edged sword where you can, just like in real estate, you can leverage yourself up and it cuts both ways. So because stocks have such a low barrier to entry, it usually means from my experience that many traders and investors don't do their homework getting started in stock investing, they just jump in without thinking or planning and that's usually where they get hurt. Stocks can provide cash flow. Uh, they pay dividends. I think everyone knows what a dividend is and they can provide long-term cash flow and you can um, you can even use strategies such as covered calls to increase your cash flow opportunities like using, derivatives of stocks where you can do other kinds of transactions and that will increase your cash flow. It's a little bit more advanced and we probably should leave that for another discussion. Uh, But of course, a lot of real estate investors buy properties for cash flow. I know I do. I primarily only buy properties for cash flow. So that said, it's been my experience that um, finding cash flowing properties in the market today is quite difficult. And so the opportunities to invest as a buy and holder in real estate, in Canada today, they appear to be shrinking. At least that's been my own experience because I'm very, I'm actually quite picky in my investments, uh, at least for the time being, right? So on the con side, uh, dividends often skew the decision to cut a loser for many stock investors. And I've made this mistake myself. It's been a pretty costly mistake. So you can think that a dividend will make up for losses in the stock market when the stock market begins going down, but dividends don't do that. So at least not to the extent that you would hope dividends should never uh, they shouldn't affect the decision to exit a losing position in other words so no amount of dividend income is going to cover the losses on stocks that should be exited from a losing position in a portfolio so although dividends aren't necessarily a con sometimes not so obvious things can persuade a stock investor to make bad long term emotional decisions they're mostly, they're mostly emotional based like thinking dividends will make up for losses so another pro is that stocks provide liquidity. This is a really, this is really a big one. Stocks are very liquid. And what I mean by that, especially with U.S. stocks, so you can get in and out of them very quickly. So you don't have to find a qualified buyer like you do with real estate. You don't have to, uh, you know, sit on your ownership position for extended periods of time. With stocks, they're willing buyers at multiple price le- uh, levels that are willing to get in or out of the market. And people buy stocks for a number of different reasons, right? It's not only for them to go up or down, you know, people buy stocks for all kinds of reasons.
2: Question for you, Dave. Sure. So, cause it's, it's quite interesting. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking of REITs. And a lot of people call our club REIT club, which is not a REIT, but it's called the right club, right? Real estate, investing, training, and education.
0: I think but I made that mistake myself. Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. But there are such things as REITs. Can you actually explain that and, and what that is and then the pros and cons of that?
0: So I don't really trade a lot of REITs, but I can tell you what I do know about them. A REIT is basically, it's basically a fund that is set up as a stock and it's regulated on the exchanges depending on, you know, which exchange it's trading on whether in Canada or the States, there's different regulatory bodies, but essentially like you probably know some people in the real estate community that, you know, that buy multiple properties and they raise, they raise capital and they pay a distribution to some of the members and they allow them to partake in the growth. It's basically the same thing, except that what you're doing is you're buying a stock and the company's typically using that money from the stock at least in the initial offering when they first offer it uh, before it gets traded in between individual investors but let's see at the initial offering at the um, at the IPO uh, initial public offering they'll they'll get a, a bunch of money for the offering of the stock they'll use that money in order to fund their their capital expansion and then typically what they'll do is they'll um, you know they'll charge management fees or whatever fees that a normal real estate operation would charge and they'll pay out a distribution in the form of a dividend. And I was actually going to touch on sort of the tax advantage of stocks because stocks have similar tax advantages to real estate. Although I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified to give tax advice and I'm not an accountant, but there are a couple of ways that you can reduce your tax burden as an investment through stocks and REITs are no different. They pay a dividend or a distribution, uh, which gets taxed similar to a capital gain. It gets taxed at a lower rate. I think it's between 15 and 25 percent, but it is definitely lower than income. But if you're an active trader and you're trading in and out of stuff quite often, you can be deemed as an active trader and your income can be deemed as income. So you get taxed at income rates. So just depending on how you um, structure your trading, it can be very similar. But a read is Arita is essentially, you know, they've set up a, a, a fund and they they run it almost like a private fund, but they've they've gone public in order to gain more exposure. Mm.
1: And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
2: Right, Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Black Jack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist.
1: That's right. And Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value.
2: Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls
1: the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast, and now back to the show. Yeah, it's true, and believe me, Dave, you're not the the only one that would have called it the uh, the the REIT club, and we hear that sometimes. But uh, just think about it as being the right club. To be at right, but
0: uh, yeah, you've got to be at the at right time. place at the right
1: time at that's the right, right club. I like Absolutely. that. That's coin. Oh
2: my god, the right place <laughs> at the right time at the <laughs> right club. Oh my, that's yes. like the new slogan. <laughs> that's it. Dude. That's it. Trademark
1: that. <laughs> no, I won't even charge royalties. The, 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 st- the one stock's one. going up on that one. The stock's going up on that. So, um, <laughs> if I could, you know what? If I could just re- rewind it a little bit, because as I'm listening to this and you know covered calls and dividends and And, you know, tax advantages, I think for just for for some of the people that maybe this is the first time or or one of the first times they've heard about the stock market, but it's only like from the movies and those flying papers that are going around and people are putting in the calls and like the Wolf of Wall Street, that type of stuff. So maybe like revert back to a little bit of the different playing fields, right? Because there's penny stocks and blue chip stocks and S&P and the Dow Jones and the TSX, right? Like, so maybe just kind of a different type of playing field. And like the same way that in real estate, I think in credit, there's, there's not enough education for the stock market. Mm-hmm. The general person, including myself, doesn't have a good idea of, well, I'm going to invest in stock market. What does that mean? The different streams. Yeah. Well, Actually you're, you touched on a really important subject
0: because like I can tell you being part of both communities, the real estate community and networking with people in real estate, Uh, real estate investors and networking a lot. I do the same amount of networking and, and, you know, in the stock sort of circles, Um, you know, like there's, we have technical analysis circles where we look at charts and we have circles, you know, where people just are traders. It's, it's a super confusing area. And I think that that's why I've seen a lot more success with investors that are invested in real estate than I have with people that are invested in the stock market and i think the major reason is just because it's so it's so confusing like when you come into the stock market you know you've got you buy a stock and you expect it to go either up or down right it sounds really simple well stocks can go sideways as well but i mean typically you want to buy low you want to sell high or you can do the opposite you can sell high and buy low it's called shorting so it's it's a little bit more advanced but it's the same principle right but it's so confusing for people because when you come in like my journey was sort of like this. I, I came into, st- uh, into the stock market. I learned about fundamental investing. So you, that's where you kind of treat it like a business, right? You look at earnings, you look at, you know, uh, price multiples, you look at, you know, all kinds of stuff that I knew really well at one time. But I've just kind of compartmentalized it in my brain. And I just kind of put it aside because if you're going to open a business, then that makes sense. You need to know those metrics. But in the stock market, things like that don't work. Uh, typically, right? Because they're very hard to time. They might work long-term for long-term investments, but depending on what your time horizon is, that's going to dictate how you sort of look at the market. So for example, I started out uh, looking at fundamentals like a CFA would do, right? A certified financial analyst. Then I got more into what's called technical analysis. And I still belong to uh, like organizations like the Canadian Society of Technical Analysts. And that's where you basically look at charts and you say, okay, well, we don't need to know what the fundamentalist guys are doing. We just need to know what they're doing. So when you look at the charts, you can kind of see the footprints in the sand and you can see like people are putting their money here because this stock is going up, it's trending higher. So it's more of a visual approach to being able to determine, you know, if things are trending, if you want to be involved, if they're going down, it's they're better timing tools with technical analysis. So I use a lot of technical analysis in what I do, but you've got, so you've got that, but within technical analysis, you've got like 20, at least 20 different methods that you could use under the umbrella of technical analysis in order to gauge, you know, how markets are, how markets are working and what you should be doing. You've got things like global macro approaches where you look at like, all of the the global macro landscape to see what's performing. You've got things like relative strength. So, I mean, I don't want to like the point I'm trying to make is it's super friggin' confusing.
2: Yeah, it is. (laughs) And
0: that's why a lot of people don't do well. So like kind of fast forward through all of this nonsense. I mean, I spent over 10 years trying to figure all this stuff out. So today what I do can I swear on your show? Fuck
2: yeah.
1: Fuck yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm going to tell you something. Just 95% of what you learn in the stock market is total bullshit. It's just total bullshit. You go, you know, you 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 watch TV. Kramer tells you to buy, buy, buy. Then he tells you to sell, sell, sell. Then he, he tells you he knows something that you don't know. Then you, you know, you turn on the financial news. You know, the market is down today because of the, corona, the coronavirus. There was a bombing, you know. Trump tweets something. There's so much noise out there, and the fact of the matter is, is it's all bullshit. It it just what moves the market is the fact that people put money at work. Interest rates have been so low, and and they're just looking for somewhere to to invest. So that's why all the big players are benefiting from it. This and there's nowhere else to put money but the stock market, unless you're no unless you can buy lots of real estate. But a lot of these guys, they've got there's You know, you've got global forces. You've got the Fed pumping money into the system to keep it afloat. There's a lot of manipulation that way. And then you've got these big banks that are putting that money to work. And that's why the stock market goes up. It's counterintuitive, but it's not necessarily tied to what the economy is doing. It's tied to money flow and where people can find returns. There's, you know, you've got negative rates, you've got negative returns on bonds in Europe. And there's just like you can't make money. So what do you do? Do you buy bonds or do you buy stocks or do you buy real estate? It's all, you know, the, the same money's out there. It's just a matter of where to put the money and, and where's the best place and who's competing for that money. What asset class is competing for that money? So to, to make it really simple, what I do today is it's not simple and it requires work, but it's, I do systematic trading and investing. So basically what I do is I have data and I program trading systems it's all rule based it's all very consistent so if you're going to if you're going to say well i want to buy for a specific reason one time you might be buying because kramer tells you to buy another time you might be yeah. buying
1: what what would be a specific reason so let's just say i'm i'm buying a stock and i say i want it to generate x amount of cash flow on a monthly basis right. so what would be some of that like give me an example of some of the the returns or what would i would look at in that okay kind of so stuff. so what i typically do is i I look for what's called an edge in
0: the market. So I'll program some trading rules so that every time I take a trade, I'm taking it for the same reason. It's always the same consistent reason. So those rules might be tied to technical analysis, right? We use some indicators or they might be tied to um, just simply looking at a list of stocks and saying, you know, things persist for a lot longer than you would expect. So there's certain characteristics of the market. For example the market exhibits momentum characteristics. There's been a lot of studies done on momentum. And basically what that means is it's kind of like an object in motion tends to stay in motion. So if you see Apple has been doing well for a really long time, well, a lot of the funds are getting in there, right? So you've got that momentum aspect. So what you can do is you can say, well, I've got all these stocks. Let's take our computer program, let's rank them, and let's see which ones are the strongest stocks, and then let's look at those and maybe we should be invested in those as long as they fit within that ranking as soon as they start falling off because things things rotate you get sector rotation in and out of different asset in and out of different asset classes so you might maybe want to cut your losses in that and rotate into something else that would be like that would be like a quantitative momentum system that we might develop the other aspect that the market works on is have you ever looked at a stock chart and you see like it goes up, it goes down, it stair steps. It doesn't go straight up and down. Yes. So the, so the, that's what's called mean reversion. So things revert. So things will go up and then they'll come back down. So one of the strategies we might use is trying to, to define programmatically what a good pullback looks like. So that if it's going like this, we want to get it when it goes like this and then participate when it travels
2: back to the high side okay so that's so so guys so as dave is doing this he's doing a motion with his hand so there is a youtube version of this if you're listening to it on itunes (laughs) you probably can't see but it is quite interesting like obviously it seems like you've developed something great okay i have some questions for you though absolutely so let's just say the market takes a dip Mm -hmm. in general so one of the things i don't like about paper assets not all paper assets but most paper assets I don't have control over it, right? So like for me, absolutely. if the market takes a dip, the real estate market, my tenants are still living in there. They're not going away. There's going to be more need for renters anyways in rental properties. So, and I cash flow, I won't care, but you don't have that with, with paper assets. Is that correct? And if- absolutely.
0: And I, and I have the exact same mentality as you like. This is one of the problems with, the, with people being able to stomach the stock market is the volatility. Like, for example, I often wake up and I have positions that are down 30%, right? And if you had one position, let's say you just owned a stock and you had $100,000 and it was down 30% the next morning because of a news release, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're holding your stomach like it's painful. So basically, you have to treat the market like a casino, the way the casino does. So a casino doesn't know if it's going to win on the next hand or not but it knows it has an edge in the market. It knows, that, it knows that in the long run, if it does enough bets, that it's gonna win more than it loses. So what ends up happening is, is over the long term, that probability is in their favor. They have an edge and they're gonna make money in the long term. So essentially what happens is you have no idea, you have no way of knowing what's gonna happen on the next trade, but you know if you have an edge in your trading system, that over the long term, you're actually going to make money, right? And you don't need to to know what's going to happen next. So the other thing that we do is we, like all trading systems take drawdowns. And this is something that's hard to stomach as well. But for example, you might have a system that makes 20% a year, right? But at its worst, like if you test it, like what it's done over the last 20 years, maybe it's had a 20% drawdown at one point in time. So at some point you might experience you know a 20% drawdown in your account but there's people that trade this way all the time and as long as your system keeps working in the future you're going to recover that money and you're you're going to actually go on to make new equity highs right so what that means is essentially like this is why it's so hard to trade because you don't have the confidence in knowing that things are going to start working again so what we do is we have what are called filters in our trading systems that if things get really bad, like the global financial crisis, we might take a 15 or a 20% drawdown from our peak equity amount, not from our starting equity. So let's say we started out with a hundred thousand, maybe we're up to 200,000 at some point it might come down, you know, 10% or 20% and then our system might shut off and wait for the market conditions To return to a sustainable level so those are things you have to be able to stomach when you're in the market and it's just it's normal like you don't feel that with real estate because what happens with real estate is if my property is worth 20 percent less tomorrow i don't care because it's cash flowing and i'm renting it out right but in the stock market this is normal like if you look at if you look at just buying an index fund for example um you're you're essentially risking $50,000 $50,000 to make $5,000. And the, the reason why that math works like that is because if you owned stocks during 2008, during the 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 GFC, the global financial crisis, at some point, your index fund would have been down 55%, right? Now, if you fast forward to today, it's recovered, but we don't, what we do is we build systems so that we can beat the market right we can beat the averages of the market with lower volatility and that's usually our goal we want to get better returns than what an index fund will offer or what the general market will offer but we also want to have lower volatility right and that's that's kind of the goal that we look for
2: that that's cool dave i mean you're really obviously clearly really passionate about it and like i know you work super yeah. hard and like this is so you don't have a full time job you're you're in real estate and you're doing this this trading stuff When you look at it, you know, what, what creates the majority of your income? Is it real estate or is it paper assets? I would say like, I don't consider myself
0: like, like I wouldn't say that I'm successful. I'm, I'm sort of a long-term student of markets. I'm always learning and I'm always trying to develop new ways to make money. So I kind of have this triangle approach where I think the way that you need to make money is, and you know, going forward is like, you've got real estate on one edge of the triangle, you've got, that's
2: my edge of the triangle people, my edge, <laughs> you've got, you've, you need more edges of your triangle. I'm just right? kidding. So, I'm just kidding. But that's my favorite edge. <laughs> oh, it, you know what? It like,
0: I, I couldn't tell you if I like stock trading or real estate more. I like them both just as much. So then you've got stock trading, you've got, you know, what I call systematic investing, and then you've got like an active business, right? So uh, you guys, I think both are in the sort of active business camp. And you're in the uh, real estate camp, so maybe you might want to round out some of your investing, doing stock trading, just because it will sort of diversify your risk a little bit and give you more opportunities, in order to you know more opportunities to exploit. And I think that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, and and, yeah, and you know what? Don't even limit it to a triangle. Let's get some ninja stars (laughs) out there, right? With five. Five and six and different seven different sides, right? Absolutely. There's multiple streams of income. You know, there's passive income, the active income, and like you're saying, systematically. And so with, with those programs that are so readily available and you see the commercials in between hockey games and stuff like that, the quest trades of the world and like at the apps, at the end of your fingertips, it's almost like I compare it to almost like, you know, like live sports betting. Right. In some cases, right? Because you, you can monitor it throughout the day, throughout the term. But from the sounds of what you're saying is like, it is more of that longer term approach, that systematic, that if you're doing the right things, putting at certain points of the time, more often than not, you're going to get it right more than you get it wrong. So how does that somebody with all that noise in that market go out there and say, and focus on that? And, and well, I think like starting for me, what it took for me, and, and I think what it takes for a lot
0: of other people is when you're a systematic trader or investor, like a lot of the stuff that you see on TV and all that stuff, it's, it's all bullshit. Like they don't know, they tell you, well, you should do this and you should do that, but they have no statistics and no data to back it up. So one of the things that we do uh, in the systematic community is we will actually program our trading rules against proper historical data. And I won't get into the nuances of what that is because I don't think your audience really cares about all the technical details. It's just like, what's the, you know, what's the end result? So, Essentially, what we do is we look at how our trading rules would have performed 20, 25 years ago, how they would have performed in different, what we call market regimes. You know, markets have different behavior. So how did it perform during the 2008 financial crisis? How did it perform in the dot-com era, right? When, when things were going down.
1: Actual, we do actual simulations. simulations of what actually yeah, happened. And, and what we can do wow, is we can see what the crazy.
0: equity curve looks like. We can see what our maximum drawdowns were. Uh, we can see, like, like, I'll give you an example. Like, I know when I trade a system that, let's say, if I'm going to trend, trend follow. So trend following is where you just, like, if you look at the stock market, it's been going up. You just get on that. It's, it's, it's going higher. You just jump on that wave and you just ride it as long as you can. That's basically trend following. So I know that, let's say, a good trend following system will only be right 40% of the time right? Maybe, maybe 45% of the time. But what I do know is that when it loses, let's say it loses $1 when it loses, well, it might make two and a half or $3 when it wins. So every trade that loses might lose, you know, a dollar in comparison and the winning trade will make two and a half or $3. That's how you make money trading. You want to get close to 50% accuracy. You don't always have to be right. Some successful traders are only right three times out of 10 on average but you make a lot more on your winning trades than you do on your losing trades. Now that's for a longer term system. We also have some systems because people like to be active and they like to get out of the market if the market turns on them. So like I have my friend, Gary, who's actually putting his trading signals on, um, on my systematic investors website that we're launching. You know, people can subscribe to that. It trades every four days. So he'll be in a stock, he'll buy a stock on the NASDAQ and within four days, he'll be out of it. So what ends up happening is he has a higher win rate. So he might win 60 or 70% of the time, which, you know, for people's psychology, for their emotional management, that's a lot easier to stomach. And they're, you know, so you got to find what, what you're comfortable with. Like there's a lot of different systems that might work, but they may not work for you if you're not comfortable executing them. Yeah. But you can look at all the stats.
2: Yeah. You know what? I, I would say, look, there's pros and cons to paper assets. There's pros and cons to real estate. Do your research. So you know, talk to people that are doing it in the different camps, and uh, and then just make make an informed decision, right? Because it definitely is your money, and it's uh you don't you don't want to put it as, at risk without understanding the the risks and the rewards, both both for both.
1: Absolutely, Jude. Yeah, and to under, and to underscore that point, I don't know how many of you out there, Right Club Nation or Sarah, but how many think I want to win a hundred percent of the time? Yeah, I think that's it hard is. to do, guys. You know, you gotta. And, and and the win the wind changes or the outcome changes like as, as yeah, your right. perspectives change and, on and we've been right? we've been sorry to so, interrupt yeah. you Alfonso but we've been like we've been winning in real
0: estate so long like I haven't had a deal go bad in real estate so not that I've done a ton of deals but I mean the win rate in, in real estate is pretty high so we've been a little bit spoiled right we we want to win all the time but if you want to invest in different things you have to understand the mechanics of how those asset classes work and what actually makes the possibility to be successful in those in those different asset classes. Do you guys want me to sell you a little bit more? I don't think you're convinced. Do you want me to sell no, you No, I bit I more? Think it's,
2: I think it's good. We actually have to go to our lightning round. Our lightning round is the next part of this podcast. But, you know, it's, okay. it's really quite interesting. Like, I will I will not lie. Like, some of it is a little bit above my head, but I think you're much, much smarter than me. <laughs>
0: so, no, it, it's not that I'm smarter. It's just I've been doing this for a long course, time. Of course, of
2: course.
1: Right? And I've made every mistake in the book. Believe me, I have. For,
2: awesome. So. Yeah.
1: And that's how you learn. And that's how you learn and develop systems that, that, that correct yourself for the next time and the fifth uh, time absolutely. and 10 years no, later. It, it, it seems relates. like you've
2: got like a great thing going and you know what, yeah. like you're you're an awesome guy. You're so genuine and uh, you're, you're out there helping others. So I, I really-
0: Thanks Sarah, that. I appreciate that.
2: Awesome, so the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So Alfonso okay. and I will take turns asking you questions and everybody gets the same questions. Answer okay. in uh, a short amount of time as you can and the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Sure.
1: And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
2: Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a quick moment Here is Sarah Larby and I'm here with Laurel Simmons and we have some really exciting news for you. And we heard you, we heard your emails and we are going to be bringing you Right Club Nation online, coast to coast, accessible at any time of day. And you can be in your pajamas, like I am right now, and you can access our great content. And what is going to be that content, Laurel? Well, we have
0: videos, recordings of live events that we've held. We have webinars. We have, we'll have our podcast information up there. We'll have uh, forums and chat groups and all kinds of things. You'll even be able to find services and products that you need in your neighborhood local for you because we know how important it is that you have your local team with you we're going to be rolling things out very quickly and as we start you'll see more and more stuff come along and we really want you to join and become part of our online community
2: absolutely this is the first and in my opinion it was going to be the best canadian online community of real estate investors and like-minded individuals so guys come and grow with us join our online community register and come and say hi and check out the amazing things
0: yeah and all you have to do is go to the and you'll find us there it's easy to register it's free and
2: hop on we can't wait to see you there guys come and grow with us
1: and now back to the show
2: All right. Question number one. What is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: Okay. So I've got actually got four. So always buy for cash flow. I think you would agree with that. Build multiple sources of income. Managing risk is important. So always understand your downside. Stress test. Focus on how to mitigate your risk instead of always thinking about how much money you're going to make on the next deal. And everything has a cycle. So try to be aware of and respect that cycle.
1: Man, this man came prepared today. I'm prepared, man. I don't mess around. (laughs) He is systematically systematically answering the lightning round question. I've I've back-tested your podcast.
2: (laughs) Of course you (laughs) would do that. Of course. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: That's amazing. All right. Question question number two of the lightning round.
2: Actually, you know Um, what? He could probably read you question number two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not in the same order, I don't think. Uh, so, uh, okay, yeah. Question number two. So you, you could use this as, as you're trading or real estate, or I would like to hear both, but what is your favorite real estate investing resource? So
0: I would say that my favorite investing resource is essentially learning from other investors and learning what they're doing and their experiences. So it's the most fun and and you get to learn what others are doing. I'll give you an example. Do you remember At one of the last meetings I was at, I haven't been able to make as many meetings as I'd like to. And I hope that changes soon. But I was a little bit stuck because I'm sitting there going, you know, I haven't bought, I'm a buy and hold investor and I haven't had the opportunity to buy properties that meet my criteria. So I came out to a meeting and I asked you and I asked Sarah and I asked a couple of the other guys that are regulars. Hey guys, what are you doing right now? That's working. Like what's working for you right now? Like where are you finding success? Where are you finding opportunities? I think if you have a good network like the kind of network you guys are building with you know just great people that are that are you know they they're just hustlers and they're just and I mean that in a good way they're they're out there like just doing it and stuff and like you guys it you know I can I can kind of get a little bit clearer on maybe where I should focus my time and energy and maybe why things aren't working for me. I remember keeping you after a meeting for almost an hour and a half telling you my struggles and you gave me tons of great advice. So I think that's the best You know, aside from the formal education, I think being able to sit down with a a guy like Alfonso Salemi and a girl like Sarah
2: Larby, like you just, that's where you're going to learn stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Number three, what is one attribute that has made you most successful?
0: So like I said, I don't really consider myself super successful. I think I've got like a long ways to go, but I think that if I didn't have I'm I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Like it takes me a long time before I get things. Like I make a lot of mistakes and I don't see things clearly for a long time, but I think because I'm persistent, if I wasn't persistent, I'd be screwed. I think that's really what it comes down to because I get, I get tired. I get, um, you know, I have my ups and downs. I work from the house a lot. So, you know, I like, I talk to my dog and I'm like, give me the answer pistachio. Tell me what I need to do, buddy. But, you know, like for a call, bark once for a put, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Go longer, short, bark once, bark twice. Come on, man. Um, Yeah. So, so I think for me, it's been persistence because otherwise, you know, you can talk about, you can talk about mindset all you want. Everybody talks about mindset, but they never really truly define what mindset is or how to get it. And I think like you can have all the mindset you want but if you 're trying to travel to California and you 're going towards alaska it doesn 't matter you 're totally screwed so it, the mindset is built by doing the right things and being persistent and following through i think
1: absolutely I, I love that that persistence at the end of the day is you don 't know how close you are to that to that that, that treasure that goal is to keep going, but you got to you got to be looking at the right direction and and, I, uh, I think so. And those that are listening, Dave, Dave is a successful guy. He's as humble as they come, as well, too. So
2: yes, you're very humble. You're uh, successful. Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, guys. And uh, all right. So question number four. Then the lightning round. So um, on, on a Sunday morning, on a typical Sunday morning, what uh, what are you up to?
0: Well, I'm supposed to be taking my daughter to her uh, tennis practices but a lot of times I like to sleep in a little bit on Sunday. Um, so if I sleep in then usually by just after nine o'clock, I'm getting the beats by my daughter because she's coming in and jumping all over me. That's usually what I'm doing. Uh, otherwise I'm taking her to practice and I'm watching her do her practice. Um, otherwise usually what I'm doing is I'm doing like I'm, I'm watching, trying to catch up on some educational videos. I'm reading, I'm doing research uh, for the first part of the day. And then, you know, heading out later on in the day to, you know, to see friends or family or or whatnot. But I usually try to reserve it for some quiet time, some research, some family time, things like that.
1: And uh, again, you're, uh, Dave's daughter is going to be like a future tennis star. So I've run into so. Dave a few times at the club that we play at in Burlington. And uh, Dave and I are chatting and, and she's just slugging the ball away. I'm scared. I don't want to get on the same court with her. I think she'll wipe the floor with me. But. Uh, you-
0: you, you remember that time I, I ran into, I hadn't seen you in a while. And we tried to talk and I was an hour early by accident and she didn't let us talk the whole time. She talked the whole time for, for she, an hour yeah, straight, She's right? a gem, so gem,
1: beautiful daughter.
0: It's, it's a sizable investment, as you know, Alfonso with tennis, absolutely. right? Tennis is a sizable investment. So hopefully she is a future star and maybe it'll pay as off. Long as long as she,
1: she's got to love it. She's got to enjoy it. And that and that's absolutely. the most important part. I think their
0: development is more
1: important than success.
2: So, mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome, Dave. So where can the Right Club Nation find out more about you or reach out to you? Okay, so
0: I don't use a lot of social media. I'm trying to cut down on, you know, the amount of noise. So my website's probably the best place. So it's uh, www.systematic-investors.com. And there's, you know, there's a contact form there, or you can just, you know, Dave at systematic-investors.com. That's
1: probably the best place to reach me. That's awesome. That's awesome, and I couldn't go the whole podcast with officially saying, "Mr. Davide Di Marco What, uh, what else? What else? Or if there's any other advice or, uh, or tips that you want to share with the Right Club Nation?
0: Um, so, I guess, I guess the only tips I could really give are kind of last words. I suggest that real estate investors expand their horizons and look for alternative and multiple sources of income, uh, as long as doing so doesn't really dilute their their focus or effectiveness too much in their current strategies that they're doing well in. I would say that investing in paper assets through systematic trading and investing is a great way to get more exposure to different assets uh, that allow for diversification of risk and potentially more money-making investing opportunities. Cause it's, I think it's all about finding opportunities constantly, no matter what you're doing. And I think the key is to focus on consistent systems that are quantified. You know, they've been back tested. And they've been, they've been, you know, you've got the data, the statistics to support it and to be able to execute them consistently. That's I think really the key. And because I, I honestly believe that, and and I I think you guys would agree in your own businesses that consistent processes lead to consistent outcomes. Like I know Alfonso, you haven't. Yes, I love,
2: sorry. I love that consistent processes lead to consistent outcomes. Sorry. I just wanted to. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an awesome phrase. Thank you.
0: Yeah. If I look at what you guys are doing, uh Sarah, I watched your um your Burr uh, presentation that you did uh last week. Was it last week or the week before? The
2: webinar, yeah. I think it, it's, it's a couple weeks
0: ago. Yeah, and I couldn't help but notice you have a system. You have a very well-defined system. And so does Alfonso. Like, I mean, you can't do over a hundred rent to owns without having a very consistent system and having procedures and and being able to, you know. To focus on your systems and your procedures, so yeah, I would say consistent processes lead to consistent outcomes. So you know, focus on your
1: systems. I love it. I love it. That uh, that was great, Dave. I can't tell you how much fun I had, and uh, thank you, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the right club. Make sure you find this guy the next time that yes. you're in Burlington.
0: Yes, I'll try to make it out more, guys. I love your meetings. I think you guys are doing an awesome job. Uh, Sarah uh, Alfonso. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I can't wait to hang out with you guys You know on a personal level again soon.
2: Awesome. Yeah, we got to do it soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you Right Club nation. Wow, that was an information Packed session. I have so many scribbled notes down. It looks like a prescription pad uh, of the uh, of the notes, I was trying to keep up with with all the different stocks and options and derivatives and the low barriers to entry and yeah, what an information pack. Dave is just you could tell really knows his craft and something that uh, that he's passionate about and he gets
2: yeah, that he is. He's definitely very passionate about it and uh, and it is interesting to sometimes you know look outside of the the regular real estate realm. And I know that we do the mind estate podcasts and that kind of stuff, which is which is awesome, but. For me, I, I really don't know a whole lot about the stocks and the puts and the, and the options and all that stuff. And it's like, some of it goes beyond me. Um, and I see pros and cons to it. So like, I see that there is a need for diversification, but I also, I just don't understand it as much. And he is just like super knowledgeable. So I think if I had any questions about any of this stuff, he'd be my go-to person and be like, Dave, can you tell me what, what this means?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and if it's, whether it's the stock market, the strategy, rent to own, multi-level development, private lending, all that kind of stuff, you, you got to get informed about it, right? No matter what it is, you can't just expect, hey, someone take my money and go and make me more. Really, you have to take the onus on yourself and you got to really take those steps to educate yourself to feel comfortable. Because I think I'm in the same boat as you, Sarah, is that if I had X amount of money to go invest today, I would still feel more comfortable in real estate. Why? Because we have more experience. We've done it. We've made a few mistakes. We've learned from those mistakes, incorporated our learnings into our next deals that have made them even better. But with stock trading or you know uh, the stock market, we'd be like, oh, I don't know, uh, analysis paralysis, right back to right where the beginning. And that's not a that's not a bad thing if you want to learn more about that and get into that. Versus here, I'm just going to give it to a guy and he's supposed to make me money, and I don't know how it works. You got to follow up with that, and you got to make sure that you're learning about it. So Dave is a great example of if you put uh, you know 10 years you know, and start with, I don't know, one year or start with uh, six months about learning a certain strategy or something. And you can really advance your knowledge and really uh, acquire a lot in a short amount of time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I just love he's so humble. He's probably one of the most humble guys I know.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, I, we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We uh, we love doing this podcast, Sarah. I always thank you every single time because this is one of the funnest things that I get to do on a weekly basis. Is you know share the uh, internet in this space uh, and, and doing podcasts with you and co hosting and uh, yeah and, and doing the Right Club events and as we continue to grow and make this club the uh, the club the, the investing club for Canadian investors. the the offline
2: and online offline and online
1: yes that's right and you know what i'm gonna take dave's line and i love it but uh we want to be the right place at the right time because we're the right club so yeah guys hope you guys enjoyed it till next time
2: come come grow with us. us